Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, Senior Editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, coming with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday podcast. And yes, we are back. No, the Steelers didn't win. No, the Steelers did not lose. The Pittsburgh Steelers tied the Detroit Lions 16-16 to at Heinz Field in a sloppy, wet game. It rained for the majority of the second half, uh, and it was a game that, kind of defies all logic. Uh, When you think about this game, and the knee-jerk reaction is to be angry, and every fan out there has a right to be angry. But my goodness, when you think about this game from a holistic perspective, what do you even think? let's Let's talk this out a little bit. You have a Steelers team who we found out Saturday night would not have their future Hall of Fame quarterback ready. They lose their best defensive player in T.J. Watt about eh, midway through the second half, I believe. They also lose both starting guards. They have injuries uh, you know, in the secondary with Joe Hayden. And they fumble their way out of a win and fall into a tie. I don't even know where to start. I really don't even know where to start. I'll tell you where I will start, though. I'm going to start with reminding everyone that BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. When we have a situation like we have on our hands right now for the Steelers fans that want the latest news and updates, and we're talking about injuries to TJ Watt, Joe Hayden, Kevin Dotson, Trey Turner. These are big names and very important players on the Steelers team. When we're talking about injuries to all those players, you got to know what's going on, and we're going to have it for you right there at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, as well as on our podcast platform. If you just stumbled on this article on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, or maybe you're listening to it in my winners and losers column, know that we have so much more than just this show, this Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Let's Ride. you got to follow us wherever you listen to your music or podcasts, Pandora, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Anchor, Spotify. I'm a Spotify guy. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you get notifications when a new show comes out. So, for instance, those that listen to our podcast platform and check it and get those notifications, they had the breaking news podcast of Ben Roethlisberger being ruled out due to being placed on the reserve COVID list. So make sure you check it out. You won't be disappointed, I promise. Well, let's start with Ben Roethlisberger. I haven't spoken to you all, my ride or die crew, since Friday. And I went over the list of things that the Steelers need to do to win the game. But boy, does everything get thrown out the window when your starting quarterback is not able to play. Here's what we know now about Ben Roethlisberger and his COVID situation. Roethlisberger on Saturday morning woke up and was feeling as if he had some type of symptoms. Was not feeling well. So he is symptomatic. Let's get that out of the way. He also is vaccinated. He said that, I guess, in the summer. I don't remember that. Other reporters, beat reporters, have said that Roethlisberger did, in fact, state that he was vaccinated. So there's that. Uh, He goes to the facility, does not go in, but says, you know, wants to get tested. They test him, comes back positive. He never is around a team or anything like that. So I know a lot of fans, and this is a legitimate concern, is are there going to be other positive tests coming up after Roethlisberger tests positive? Well, Mike Tomlin... In his post-game press conference after the Steelers' tie, he did state that the Steelers, as an organization, 
they they pretty much shield Roethlisberger away anyways. They do that because they want to make sure that in case someone else were to be positive, he is not necessarily around all the team as much as maybe other players are. It's smart. I'm sure they're not the only team to do that. When you have your starting quarterback, you want to make sure you do whatever you can so that they don't fall on that list. And so in this regard, it's kind of a good fortune reverse that they do that. In fact, that Roethlisberger is the one that tested positive. So the question now is, is Roethlisberger going to be back next week? Uh, you don't know. No one knows. Uh, Roethlisberger, if he is vaccinated, if I read the protocols correctly, he would have to test negative two straight times for him to be available. And I do believe that when a player tests positive, like they're pretty much they're pretty much good for like 90 days or something like that. That's a policy. That that's the NFL's protocols, not this is not Jeff Hartman giving my opinion. This is just the protocols the NFL has set forth. So who knows? Who knows? But Mason Rudolph took over. He found out Saturday and in, in his post-game press conference, Mason Rudolph talked about how Mike Tomlin uh called him they were at the team hotel, in case you didn't know that. Even at home games, the team stays together in a hotel. And they were at the team hotel, and he got a phone call saying, hey, you're, you're the guy. You're going to be the guy this weekend for us. So they were able to do the walkthrough with him. Uh, he was able to attend a, a quarterback meeting as the guy. And so it's definitely one of those things where not easy situation. It's not an easy situation. Say what you want about – he, he has experience. He practices once a week. And yeah, there were people, I, it was me. It was me on Saturday saying this could maybe be a best case scenario for the Steelers. Rudolph does get a lot of repetitions every week. Rudolph did practice an extra day on Thursday this week. Uh, Rudolph has experience as a starter. And if you were to hand pick a game for him to play and for Ben to miss on the schedule when it came out in April or May, you would have pointed your finger right at week 10 and said that one. That one right there. Detroit Lions at home coming on a short week. If you're going to make Ben miss a game, that's the one. Just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. There's a lot of reasons why it didn't work out. I mean, we can talk about the the defense, and we are going to talk about the defense in the second segment when I get to my winners and losers. By the way, if you're wondering what the breakdown is, winners to losers, three winners this week, ten losers. So that kind of gives you a feel for how I'm feeling about this game. Excuses can be made. They can always be made. You can talk about rookies playing in big-time moments. You can talk about the weather. You can talk about inexperience. You can talk about injuries. Excuses are always able to be found when you go and look for them. I'm kind of sick of the excuses. I just want the team to go out there and find a way to win. Listen to what I said last week after the Monday night game in Week 9. I don't care how the Steelers win, just win. And on in the standings, the Steelers' tie is better than a loss. They are in sole possession of second place in the AFC North with a 5-3-1 record. That tie is better than a loss, but it can also cause a lot of confusion. There's it just it throws a wrench into things. But the one thing I don't want to hear, and I don't and I know the Steelers won't do this, but from the fan base is my goodness, the, the excuses that the Steelers could have had, they all fell on offense to me, in my opinion. You know, Ben's not there. Mason Rudolph starting. Okay, you would understand if the offense was a little sluggish. You lose your guards because of injury. Well, that that makes sense. You could you could be a little sluggish. The one thing that no one ever saw was even with TJ Watt in the lineup, and Joe Hayden gets hurt. Joe Hayden was in the secondary when I believe Jared Goff had thrown the ball nine times. Okay, and he had a pass breakup during that time. But it's not like you know this, the the Lions were trying to sling it around the yard. 
They were running the ball right down their throat. They rushed for over 90 yards in both the second and third quarter. And mind you, a lot of that was with Watt in the lineup. To me, this tie, which feels a heck of a lot like a loss, is on the defense. It's on the defense. You can talk about, but they only gave up 16 points, Jeff. I, I know that. I'm aware of that. But this was a game that if you were going to say, if there was ever a time, we're going to shut it down, we're going to force the quarterback that clearly doesn't look like he wants anything to do with throwing the football, we're going to force it into his hands. That's what we're going to do. You think that you're going to be able to run it down our throats. No, no. We're going to shut it down. We're going to force Goff to throw the ball, and they couldn't do it. They could not do it. And it was egregious. It was embarrassing. It was sloppy. Any other adjective you want to use to describe a poor performance, you could then associate with the Steelers' defense. You can blame the coaching staff for lack of adjustments. Sure, they looked great in the first quarter when the the Lions didn't even garner a first down. Sure, they improved in the fourth quarter and even in overtime. But it was the second and third quarters where the defense literally fell asleep. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't do anything, and it changed everything. It changed everything. And so we can talk about officiating. We can talk about fumbles. We can talk about missed opportunities. But to me, this game is on the defense. When the offense needed the defense to win him a game. And you can, and please spare me with the, well, isn't that every week, Jeff, because the offense has been struggling? No, 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 it's not. Week nine was the perfect example. The defense gives up the touchdown, and it's the offense that goes out and bails out the defense when Roethlisberger drives down the field in 148 and gets a game winning field goal. It gives, sets up Chris Boswell for the game winning field goal. This was the game the Steelers needed the defense to go out and say, look, we've got the offense. We know Ben's not there. We know that there's no Chase Claypool with a toe injury. We know that we're relying on players like Ray Ray McLeod to make big-time plays. Think about what I just said. Ray Ray McLeod to make a big-time play. And the defense had to be saying, we've got you. We've got your back against an 0-8 Lions team, an offense that is near the the basement dwellers in every offensive statistic except for running the football. And they couldn't do it. They could not do it. So as I continue to talk about this game, the more and more I get frustrated with the defensive side of the ball, the missed tackles, the things like that, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the defense was supposed to be what they hang their hat on every single week. The defense was supposed to be the side of the football that went out and dominated. The defense was supposed to be elite. They're not elite, at least not right now. And everyone can say, well, they don't have to it. They haven't had to it all year. Well, people are banged up. Yeah, well, they traded Melvin Ingram away. Yeah, they did. Okay, what's your point? What's your point? If if we're we're not going to use those excuses for the offense, we can't use them for the defense either. The Steelers came out on week 10 at home, and even though it was not a loss, they laid an egg. They laid an egg, and the Steelers fan base was already ticked off based on the fact that the, the, the Monday night football game went the way it did, went down to the wire. They were already upset. I don't blame them. And now it's going to be even worse. So now you have the Steelers 
preparing for a Week 11 game against the Los Angeles Chargers in L.A. on Sunday Night Football. I just realized that it was on Sunday Night Football. Gosh, I hate primetime games. But nonetheless, primetime, Mason Rudolph could be the quarterback again, folks. Going to be honest with you. He could be the quarterback. You just have no idea with Roethlisberger, how he's feeling, how he's testing. That's going to be an ongoing talking point throughout the week. But it gets worse. TJ Watt, you know, he's having further evaluations on the hip and knee injury that Mike Tomlin said he sustained on the same play. Some people online, not saying I believe everything they say, but they're medical people that have done the job. Uh, They're suggesting he could be out one to three weeks. Think about what that's going to do for that pass rush. Is Alex Highsmith ready to shoulder that load? Taco Charlton ready? Derek Tushko, whatever his name is. Are we ready for that? And what about the offensive line? Kendrick Green, several high snaps, one that sailed over Mason Rudolph's head. You don't have guards. Who knows how long Kevin Dotson and Trey Turner are going to be out. And if they both are out next week, what do you do? Bring in B.J. Finney. That makes sense. J.C. Hasnauer, the other guard. Are you going to flex Joe Hagan like you did at the end of this game? Boy, I tell you what, there's, a, there's more questions and answers right now for the Steelers. And I'm not saying all is lost. I really am not. If Ben Roethlisberger can somehow get his get himself healthy enough and he tests negative and he's able to return to the team, this team has a chance anytime he's in the lineup. But it's not going to be easy. Their backs are against the wall. We will see the medal of this Pittsburgh Steelers team. We will get to see that with our very own eyes. But right now, there's a lot of people that are down in the team, and rightfully so. It was an embarrassing performance It's on Sunday at Heinz Field, and we are going to talk about all of it. And I, I do it the way I do it, and that's winners and losers. Three winners and ten losers. We're going to talk about it all. Coming up right after this break. Stay tuned. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second segment of this Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host here for the second installment, second segment, I guess I should say, of this Monday Let's Ride podcast. It's not as exciting and fun as it normally is post-game, or it has been, with the Steelers rattling off four wins in a row. Uh, Nonetheless, let's take a look at this winners and losers list. Like I said before, leading up to this segment, three winners, ten losers. And you might be thinking, Jeff, they tied. Like they tied the game. How can you have 10 losers? And they, and they tied. They didn't lose. They tied. Well, first, I'm the one that's doing it, so I can do whatever I want. Second, does anyone really feel like this wasn't a loss? I sure as heck do. I know Dave Schofield does. We did the pot, post-game podcast together. Hopefully, you checked out those. He was actually at my house watching the game. And, yeah, it, it feels like a loss. So let's get to it. Winners. We'll start with the winner. Start on a positive. Chris Boswell's a winner. He finishes three for three on field goals, including a 51-yarder. Another 50-yarder in those conditions at Heinz Field. Chris Boswell is money. Money in the bank. (laughs) And I'll tell you what. He's not just making kicks. I mean, he is splitting the uprights. In golf, this is what we call a putt that goes, what we, (laughs) we say, dead nuts. That means you hit that putt and it just goes, it doesn't, 
very yeah, on the edge. It's uh, we're an all-around putt where it goes around and in. I'm we're talking right down the middle. That's what Chris Boswell was doing, and you know he won the game on Monday night. I have a feeling he probably would have won this game on Sunday if the Steelers didn't fumble away those opportunities. Nonetheless, Chris Boswell is definitely a winner, and he, I'll tell you, he, can, he could be a winner basically almost every single week. Next winner, Najee Harris. Listen to this stat line. 26 carries, 105 yards, 4.0 yard average, a 12-yard long. Those are tough yards there, folks, and he he did the job. He also added four receptions on four targets and 28 yards receiving. He should have had a touchdown. He should have had a touchdown. We're going to talk about officiating in the loser segment. But Najee Harris, it's crazy when you think about this young man. When he was drafted, a lot of people thought he was a reach. A lot of people thought he wasn't worth it. A lot of people thought that he was uh, over you know, used too much in college. A lot of people thought that no running back should be taken in the first round. And you know what? You can have your arguments to say that maybe that, that was the case. But I will say this. Find me someone that has watched every single snap of this young man's career in the NFL, like I have, and tell me that was a bust pick and I'll show you a bold-faced liar. Najee Harris is worth every ounce of that 24th overall pick that he was in the 2021 NFL Draft. He has come in since day one and been a dynamic playmaker, and he's only getting better. His 4.0 average was the highest of the season for him. He rushes for over 100 yards, 28 yards receiving on top of that. Like I said, he should have had a touchdown, which would have gained him another 10 to 15 yards, I believe. Uh, just a tremendous young player. And this is again, this is with a, the, a line that, again, listen to this line by the end of the, the finishing offensive line was Dan Moore Jr. left tackle. You had, I think it's JC Hasnauer on the left side. You had Kendrick Green at center. You had Joe Haig, who's a tackle on the right guard. And then you had Chuksa Korfor at right tackle. That was his offensive line. 4.0 yard average. That's the Mendoza line for me. If, he can, if they can be four. Point zero or higher, it's a good job. Job well done. Najee Harris deserves to be a winner. Cam Hayward is the third and final winner. Listen to his stat line. Five tackles, three solo, two sacks, two tackles for losses, and two quarterback hits. At a moment when the Steelers needed someone, someone please step up and make a play. Someone please step up and help stop the bleeding. Just somebody do something. It was Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward was the guy that did something. And so when I think about the Steelers' defense and the issues that they've had and what plagued them on Sunday against the Lions, Cam Hayward was one of the few players that said, I'm not allowing this on my watch. Cam Hayward's only one guy. And when T.J. Watt leaves the game, you saw a conversation between Cam and Minka Fitzpatrick on the side, on the field. Literally, as T.J. Watt's being looked at, it looked like Cam went over to Minka and said, you know, it's on us now. Like We got to do this. He did it. He did it. And uh, they're double-teaming him, and he's still making plays. Again, two sacks, a credit to Cam Hayward. He has a motor that just will not quit. And let's also not forget, he's playing a little banged up too. He missed some practice time this week with an ankle. So Cam Hayward... Good for him. He had a great game. He's on the winner's list. Now, there were some players that I could have put on the winner's list that were right on the cusp. Uh, I'll, I'll list a couple of those here. I'm not going to read their stat lines, but I think about James Pierre, I thought had a good game filling in for Joe Hayden after he got hurt. Uh, Terrell Edmonds had a really good game. 
Uh, he ended up with a sack, a couple uh, pass. I think he had a pass defense as well, several tackles. Joe Schobert led the team in tackles. Uh, he had a much, I thought that was the best game he's played as a member of the Steelers. So when I think about those players, that they played above the line. I just didn't think they were winner worthy, if we want to use that. It kind of reminds me of Seinfeld when it was sponge worthy, when Elaine was trying to figure out if men were sponge worthy. If you know, you know. All right, let's go to the loser side. Ten losers. So buckle up for this one, folks. This one could be a long segment, but we're going to get through it. The first loser is Devin Bush. Devin Bush. His stat line is eight tackles, five solo. And I just put in a bunch of missed tackles. A bunch of missed tackles. Missed tackles are not an official statistic in the NFL. There are several sites that do their best to distinguish between a tackle that should have been made and one that was missed. And for Devin Bush, he had a bunch. And I, I swear there was a there was a you know, Fox is awful. Fox Sports, their NFL coverage is atrocious. We don't see him a lot as Steeler fans, but when they do, you realize how good CBS is in comparison. But Fox, they love to show those close-up images of players. They want to see the quarterback, their, their face, the close-up, right before the ball is snapped. I'd rather see the actual formation, the down and distance, things like that, not Fox. And there was a, there was a time where Devin Bush had made a play or he had missed a tackle or something. And they zoomed in the defensive huddle, and you could see Devin Bush's face. And Devin Bush, I even tweeted this out. He's in his own head. I see he's in his own head right now. He literally, you can tell, he's probably second guessing himself. He's he's second guessing his ability, and that's a bad place to be mentally. You can just see it on his face. There's no charisma there's no machismo to his game and that's something that he always carried with him he was a fiery player he would make the big play he'd get up and he's not making those plays and when you're not making those plays you're he's probably wondering man what's going on like why am I missing these tackles he's in a bad spot right now he needs to have a good game he needs to have a big game Somewhere along the line, Devin Bush needs to have a big game, a game where he leads the team in tackles, he's decisive, he's going downhill, he's making splash plays, creating a turnover maybe. I think back to his rookie season. Uh, I believe that was at 2019. Um, Devin Bush, remember it was against the Bengals in Cincinnati. The Bengals were on their way to winning that game. Tyler Boyd with a great catch down the, down the field. In trail position, Devin Bush caused a fumble that was recovered by the Steelers. I think it was recovered by Minka Fitzpatrick. Even if it's a play like that, he needs something to go his way. Devin Bush struggled. He's been struggling. And everyone is guessing, well, is it the knee? Is it that he's rusty? Does he not trust his ability anymore? I don't know. Steelers got to figure it out because he's on the loser list. Here we go. Next one, Kendrick Green. And Kendrick Green, I don't have him on the losers list based on the fact that he was getting manhandled in the middle. I didn't think he got manhandled at all. I thought he actually had a pretty good game in terms of pass protection. He was getting off the ball well and run blocks. It was his, They were the high snaps. Mason Rudolph was able to corral two of these high snaps. Maybe there were three. But the one that got away with, with my gosh, it was a Marquise Pouncey all over again. It was reminiscent of the AFC wildcard game at Heinz Field. Browns, Steelers, we all know what it was first Offensive play, whoop, over the head. That one resulted in a touchdown. This one, Najee Harris was able to pick up, and he was able to kind of run around before uh, 
you know, and that was actually listed as a fumble recovery, by the way. But so not Najee Harris was able to get that football before it was considered a turnover. But those can't happen. I know he's a rookie, but he can't. We can't. The, the Steelers cannot have the doubt. The quarterback cannot have the doubt that Kendrick Green might sail one over their head. Maybe it was the rain, the wet football. I don't know. But it's just not good enough. It's not good enough, and Kendrick Green's on the loser list. The next is the run-to-pass ratio for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, when you have a game where you have a backup quarterback, you're shorthanded at wide receiver, and then also you see that somewhere along the line you lose two starting offensive linemen. It's also pouring down rain and cold. You would think that you're going to lean on that stud running back. You're going to lean on that, that running back, Najee Harris, and really get your money's worth there. 50 passes to 31 runs in those conditions. I mean, what else do I have to say? You can Maybe this is damning of Matt Canada. I don't know. There were several times that I was definitely scratching my head at Matt Canada. We'll get to that in a second. But the run-to-pass ratio, everything that they had seen success leading up to this game was balance and keeping the quarterback, in this case, Ben Roethlisberger. What do I always say, folks? If you listen to my podcast, you know. What is the range? What is the range that I always talk about? 25 to 35 attempts. They threw it 50 times with Mason Rudolph. I I can't say anything else. The numbers speak for themselves. Let's go to the next loser, the rush defense. The Detroit Lions finished as a team with 39 carries, 229 yards rushing for a 5.9 yards per carry, and they scored two touchdowns on the ground. The Steelers' rush defense, like I said, in the second, they, they had over 180 yards in the second and third quarters. Was awful. It was awful. And you saw these plays. Like I said, I'm sitting there on the couch. Uh, Dave and I are watching the game. And my gosh, how many times did you see a running back run, get made contact maybe with the defender, I don't know, three to four yards past the line of scrimmage, and they get carried and pushed, and they're pushing their way for another eight, nine, ten yards. This has happened in more than one game. This is not a first. It's a situation where the Steelers have got to figure something out. They have given up over 100. They're averaging over 100 yards per game on the ground. And the rush defense, I, I get asked all these questions from the other sites every single week. They always say the same question. They ask the same question. What is it? What's the best way to beat the Steelers' defense? And I always say the same thing. You have to run the football. If you can run the football and establish the run, you have a good shot of beating the Pittsburgh Steelers because their defense is going to struggle, and that's exactly what we saw against Detroit. They didn't lose. I know this, but sure does feel like it. The run defense, they got to figure something out. Mike Tomlin said after the game he thought it was just tackling. I disagree, Coach. Scheme wasn't right. Run fits weren't right. There were other issues, but it wasn't just tackling. Speaking of tackling, that's the next loser. This is the second time. The first time was in week six against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football, another game that went to overtime, another game that most would say was underwhelming for the Steelers, even though they came out victorious. There were too many missed tackles to count. I I don't even know where to guess. It, it's at least double digits. I think they, they missed 11 in week six. That's unofficial again. Said that before. I'll say it again. It was unofficial. I think they missed 11 tackles. I don't even know. It's too many to count. Too many to count. And the Steelers, how do you fix it? 
You know, I mean, Mike Tomlin spoke about that after the Seahawks game. How do you fix the tackling? And he said, well, the one thing that we can do is, you know, we can talk about approaching and leverage and all, he used all these schematics. And I, I, I'm just like a lot of fans that are like, man, it's, it's, I love to hear coach talk about this stuff. But at some point, I don't want to hear him talk about it. I want to see his team do better. And so the tackling needs to improve. Definitely deserves to be on the losers list. Next, turnovers. The one consistent trend that the Steelers have had during their during their I guess now over winning streak because they didn't win today is they've been protecting the ball relatively well. Now on Monday Night Football, we know that Ray Ray McLeod fumbled the ball, uh, and but Ben Roethlisberger had not been turning the ball over. He hadn't thrown an interception during that win streak. Mason Rudolph threw a bad interception. I thought that that interception gave the Lions life. The Steelers had been dominating the play on defense. Offensively, they were moving the ball, even though those drives were stalling at midfield after their opening. Um, the, the first drive, they went down and scored a touchdown right away. Touchdown pass to James Washington. But then, I mean, the backbreaker really was the were the fumbles in overtime. Deontay Johnson with a nice catch and run. But, you know, he's doing what Deontay Johnson does. He's trying to create extra yards. And I said it last week with Ray Ray McLeod. When you fight for those extra yards, you oftentimes make yourself susceptible to getting the ball on the turf. It's exactly what happened. And the same could almost be said for Pat Fryermuth, who with a little over a minute left, the Steelers had a chance to give Boswell an opportunity to win the game at the end of the overtime period. And it looked like he was trying to get out of bounds. And he fumbled the football. That minus three in turnover differential. If the Steelers only turn it over two times, they probably win. They turn it over three and they tie. You just can't do it. You're not, you can't expect to win when you're minus three in turnover differential. That's a loser. Next, play calling. I can give you one sequence. We can talk about a lot of different things. Some, some fans are pointing to uh, the Steelers being in shotgun a lot, even with Mason Rudolph, that with Kendrick Green, the snaps, he should have been under center. And, and you know, that's a, that's something that the quarterback and coordinator have to be on the same page with. And that, uh, I really honestly don't know how that goes with those type of decisions to be made. But nonetheless, I'll give you one sequence where I said to myself, what in the world is going on? I have not second-guessed Matt Canada much this this season. I'm going to be very honest, and I'm critical of the coordinator. Anyone that listened to my podcast last year knows that Randy Land was, boy, was he a thorn in my side repeatedly. The play calling was a loser, and this typified the idiocy that I found sometimes in the play calling during this Week 10 game. First and goal from the five-yard line, and the Steelers threw it three straight times. They threw the ball three straight times. Now, they can talk, and and Mike Tomlin said it, Mason Rudolph said it, well, you know, first down was an RPO, and it was a box look, and they loaded the box, so we decided, I'm sorry, save it. Save it. You've got a running back that's averaging four yards per carry. It was higher than that earlier in the game when this first and goal situation was happening, and you don't give him the football once. I don't care how many people were in the box. Horrible. Horrible play calling. The play calling on that sequence just was the perfect example. Awful. Absolutely awful. Deserves to be on the losers list. Next, 
the third down offense, those that listen to my, my let's ride every Monday, hopefully listen every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but every Monday at least, or the gate, the day after the game, the winners and losers segment, I always look at third down offense. Cause if you win third downs, there's a good chance you win the game. And I can only count on one hand. I think only one time actually that the third down offense, in my opinion, has been above the line. And all I ask for when I talk about above the line is better than 500. The Steelers had 17 third down plays. They went seven for 17. That is not 500 or better. And because of that, Presley Harvin got called on to duty too many times. They had situations where if they could have just extended the drive, it would have killed clock. I mean, my goodness, those teams that win those, those downs and distances are the teams that win a lot of football games. And the Steelers offense has struggled on third down a lot. Next loser, I had to say it, officiating officiating. There were flags that nullified big game changing moments. Devin Bush got called for a defensive holding on a very, I thought it was a very questionable holding call and nullified the Minka Fitzpatrick interception. Uh, there was the running into the punter, uh, call that it didn't equate to points, but it killed a lot of clock, gave them a new life, that's just another one of those situations where that bad call, which I'm going to agree, it was a bad call. I've seen kickers, they made made more contact than what that guy did, and it doesn't get called. Gives them some momentum, kills some of the Steelers' momentum. Think about that. The crowd's hyped up. The Steelers are getting off the field. They get the ball back, and now the defense is back on the field. It's more than just a five-yard penalty. Next, the Trey Norwood roughing the passer call. I guess by definition, that is the call. He didn't, I, I hate it. I hate it. I had, I don't hate it because just it happened to Trey Norwood. I hate it because it happened and it is, that's the NFL. And it really is frustrating for Steelers fans who have seen their quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. My gosh, he's gotten rolled into. He's gotten hit high. He's gotten hit late. He's gotten his nose broken without a flag. And yet it felt like Trey Norwood barely touched Jared Goff's shin with his shoulder pad and he gets a 15 yarder I don't know and then let's also not forget the points were taken off the board when Najee Harris with a nice beautiful run into the end zone is a holding on Dan Moore Jr. which by the way show me the holding on that play show me something that doesn't happen every single play every single snap every single for every single team in the NFL all 32 teams it's just Dave, Dave Schofield put it best in our post-game podcast. He said, it is inconsistent. And he's right. It's inconsistent. It is absolutely inconsistent. That is what is so frustrating about the officiating in the NFL. You just don't know what you're going to get. You could even talk about the offensive pass interference calls against Deontay Johnson and James Washington. I mean, my gosh, it's rare that you get an offensive PI at all let alone two in one game. The officiating in the National Football League, I know there's, I'm sure there's Bears fans out there saying, ha ha, what goes around comes around, Steeler fans. And okay, we got it. I get it. But at the same time, I think we can all say that the officiating needs work. The officiating is on the losers list and the inconsistencies are insufferable. All right, let's go to the last one. Injuries. Again, huge injuries to key positions and key players. You know, who knows how long TJ Watt's going to be out? Who know how? Who knows how long Joe Hayden will be out with a mid foot sprain? The ankle injuries to Kevin Dotson and Trey Turner. Uh, again, who knows how long they'll be out? 
Let's also not forget Chase Claypool's toe injury. We have no idea how long he'll be out of the lineup. Ben Roethlisberger with COVID. When will he be back in the lineup? Huge glaring issues with the Steelers on the injury front that are going to be worth keeping an eye on. So there you have it. The winners and losers. Three winners. Ten losers. I'll read them down one more time for you. The winners, Chris Boswell, Najee Harris, Cam Hayward. The losers, Devin Bush, Kendrick Green. The run-to-pass ratio, the run defense, tackling, turnovers, play calling, the third down offense, officiating, and injuries. So now the Pittsburgh Steelers prepare for the Los Angeles Chargers in Week 11 in a crucial game for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC race. They are second place of the AFC North. Will they keep it? Only time will tell. But their backs are against the wall, and I hope that you, the listener, the rabid Steeler fan, sticks with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and our podcast platform throughout. We are going to give you the best coverage of the team that you can ask for, the latest breaking news, as well as on our podcast platform. We have this team covered every which way and sideways. All right, that does it for me, folks. I hope you have a good Monday, even though this game was lousy. Hope you had a good Monday, good start to your week. I'll be back on Wednesday with another Let's Ride podcast. Make sure you look are on the lookout for Tuesday. My tweet for the mailbag questions, follow me at on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. In the meantime, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Go Steelers. Here we go. I'll see you on Wednesday.